we are continuing our DNA series this week with Discover Purpose, right? I love these banners up here. It's like our, our championship banners here at Seraphath Christian Church, right? Uh, 2019, we got four of them up here. Discover Your Purpose is what we're talking about today. But this whole, the whole idea of this DNA series, first off, when I was thinking about this all the way leading up to when I got the title from Hunter and stuff, I kept thinking, oh, deoxyribonucleic acid, right? I remember that from science in middle school or high school or whatever. I had to, had to know that and write it out. And I, I couldn't write that out probably right now well enough for you. But I, I still remember the definition. It's, it's fundamental and distinct characteristics of a person, right? Fundamental and distinct characteristics of, of the core of a person. And, and when we talk about DNA here, this is our DNA as a disciple of Jesus, to, to love God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference through the power of Christ that works within us, we can do these things. This, these are the fundamental characteristics of believers of Jesus Christ. But It doesn't stop there. These are the fundamental characteristics of the capital C church, the corporate church, all of the church. The the, um, Tibetans who are meeting across the world right now or, or, or before or whatever time it is over there, they, as believers, that they believe in Jesus Christ, have this DNA. Church, we must not think this is a solo sport. This is our DNA collectively. This is our DNA all together. When we think that, oh, well, we do need to think of it on, a, on an individual level. I want to love God. I want to, God's going to help me find freedom. I'm going to discover my purpose in him, and then I'm going to go into the world and make a difference. It's good for us to think of that on an individual level, but we must not stop there. It is bigger than that. God is using his church, his people, with this DNA to turn this world upside down, all right? And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about purpose. So let's go ahead and pray, and we will dive into our our sermon today. Lord, you give us purpose. Give us life. Lord, I pray that you would teach us this morning, that you would help us to think through our purpose, Lord. Help us to understand it and get it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I think that if I was to go around this room and ask, what is your purpose? I'd get a variety of answers, right? Um, But I think there's probably three camps, right? Uh, uh, The people who know their purpose, the people who don't know their purpose, and the people who think they know their purpose, but they don't really think they know their purpose, Right? They're kind of like, oh, well, this is my purpose. But they're ne- they never really thought about it. Right? But I want to tell you, I am an analytical dude. Like, I overthink everything. Ask my wife. My wife sighs in a certain way. I'm like, honey, what did I do? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do anything. She's like, I'm breathing. Relax. All right? But I'm just like, I, I overthink things. I overthink what is said to me. Trust me. I mean, I capture things in my mind and I marinate in my mind and, and it's a little bit too much probably. But, but for those of you who are analytical with me, you get that. For those of you who you're just taking the next step, right? You make people like me insane. All right? For when you're just thinking about what is next and, oh, the next thing, and you're not thinking further out or you're not really thinking about what that person just said, that's loaded. That means other things. You drive me crazy. Seriously. All right? Think more deeply in your life. No, I'm just kidding. All right? It's okay. But, but here's the thing. 
I, I, I think it's safe to say that all of us, to some extent, think deeply about life. Maybe it is when you're laying in bed, can't go to sleep, you're rolling around, you, you're moving the pillow a certain way to get, to get, or if you're like me, you have the pillows in an L shape because it's a perfect barrier and you can hug the one, right? You get, get it very, just right and you begin thinking about life or maybe it's in the shower, you're thinking about things, the deep thinking in the shower, right? If you're acting like that's not true, for some of you it is, okay? Driving down the road, there, there are questions that sometimes pop up into our mind and I think a common one is, why in the world do I exist? Why do I exist? We have these, these momentary existential crises where we wonder, what is this all about? Even believers, like we have these moments of being like, am I really living my purpose? I talked to a, a faithful, faithful man last night, man of God, and uh, he said to me, because I said that, and I, I was like, I wonder, I wonder if some people who have really walked with the Lord for a long time, if they actually do ask this question. And he came up to me and said, Rich, it crosses my mind all the time. Like, I know I want to live for the Lord, but I'm like, Lord, am I living my purpose? This question haunts us. And for some of us, it's not a momentary existential crisis. It's, it is far beyond that. It leads us to anxiety. leads us to, to depression. For some of you, you've experienced that. That's a, that's a real fear for you, this idea of purpose. We ask questions like, why do I exist? You know, am I failing at life or am I succeeding at life? What do I do to ensure that I'm living my purpose? What is the point of this? We all intrinsically have this feeling that there is more. There's got to be more. And we ask why. In fact, we are wired for why. We are wired to ask the question, why? And the reason for this is because we are created in the image of God. Each and every person in here, you bear the imago Dei, the image of God. Every one of you. Even those of you who aren't the prettiest. I'm talking to the guys here, all right? All you ladies are beautiful. And we see this in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is going to kind of act as our base text this morning. So if you'll flip over to there. Genesis 1. 26 and 27. When God's creating it all, he he gets to the point where he creates the the pinnacle of his creation, the pinnacle of his creation. He does something a little bit differently here. He says, you know what, these, this this part of creation, they're going to bear my image and they're going to oversee the rest of it. They're going to oversee the rest of it. Here it is. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. First off, did you catch that? Let us. I don't know if you've ever caught that. Us. Who who God? Who are you talking to? There's a conversation within the Godhead here. Jesus the Son, God the Father, and and the Holy Spirit are all at work here in creation. They were at the foundations of the world, creating it all. And God's talking to himself, saying, let us make these men and women in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So we see that God created us, every one of us, since the dawn of time in his image. And you know what? This stirs us with a desire for more. This stirs us with a desire for more because in Eden, everything was perfect. God's glory was seen clearly and everything in Eden was attributed to the perfect God, to to the one who gives good gifts. But then a few chapters later in Genesis 3, creation is marred. Creation is marred, and and before creation is marred, Adam and Eve and the creation knew that, oh, they're created finite beings that were meant to connect with with the infinite one. They're tiny things meant to attach to because they bear the image of this God. They're meant to attach to this God. But then when creation is marred, all of a sudden nobody knows what the heck to attach to. All of a sudden everybody's confused. They don't know what to do. And here's the thing, the purpose, their purpose was so clear before the fall. Adam and Eve knew so clearly what they were purposed to do. But Adam and Eve forgot their purpose in Genesis 3. And that's where the great sin divide came into play. That's where the great disconnect between infinite and finite came into play. And let me just say, we see in Romans that Adam and Eve, guess what, we can get real ticked off at them, but any of us would have screwed up. Any of us would have forgotten our purpose there. And ever since this happened, this existential crisis exists for all of us. This question of why haunts everyone. And I want to say, for even us believers here, we have a good idea of why. But I want to clarify even a little bit more today. I want to clarify why we exist a little bit more. So let me, I'm going to submit this answer to you. Okay, ready for this? This is a long answer, but I submit it to you for us to think about this morning. Our created purpose is to get back to Eden. Our created purpose is to get back to Eden. This ultimately looks like the cosmic restoration of all things through the power of God alone. Yes, he's coming back. God's coming back. He's on his way to redeem it all. But until then... He has chosen his church, believers, you're part of his church. He has chosen his church to redeem this broken world piece by piece by spreading his glory, which was perfectly seen in Eden, by spreading his glory like wildfire. God created the universe and humanity in order to magnify the glory of God. This is our purpose, church. Hear me out. We are glory spreaders. This is our purpose. We are glory spreaders so that all may see him as magnificent. Just as Adam and Eve saw him and lived in perfect communion with him before the fall of mankind in Genesis 3. We're glory spreaders, church. We are meant to spread his glory, not ours. We're meant to spread the glory of God that was originated in perfect creation. That's who we are purposed to be. And our plan for today is, listen, you can go online and you can search for what is my purpose and you're going to get every response on the planet. You're going to get a lot of practical things too. We could have went super practical today, but we're going to get practical at the end, but we just, we don't got time for it. We want to, we want to actually hold out the map and take a look at all of it before we zoom in. Pretty sure Hunter's going to zoom in pretty good next week, right? But I want us to, to take a look 
at the canvas from afar. Because sometimes when we just talk about life application, we get stuck in the weeds rather than seeing the big picture, which is necessary for understanding. All right, so let's do that. Sam Crabtree, quote's going to be up on the screen here, wrote a book called Practicing Affirmation. He says this, the point of being created in the image of God is that human beings are destined, okay, instead of destined, we could even say or purposed, right? Human beings are purposed to display God. That's what images do. And the point of being redeemed by Jesus and renewed after the, crea- the image of our creator is to recover this destiny, My friends, by creating man in his image, God created little images of himself. You ever see like your kid do something that you're like, oh, I kind of, I kind of do that, right? I kind of, I kind of do that, right? Like when you say something you shouldn't in front of your two-year-old, I've never done that, right? But my wife has plenty of times and then she'll (laughs) repeat it. I'm just kidding. She was here last night, so I'm off the hook. If any of you tell her, I'm going to know who you are, all right? So... Anyway, but, but they repeat it. But, but God's saying, I want you to, to take my perfect image and I want you to walk and talk and feel like I do. 1 Corinthians 10.31, we are supposed to do all things for the glory of God. Whether even the mundane things, whatever we eat or drink, whatever we do, it's for the glory of God. So that people would say, you know what? You know what that person Look at God. Check him out. Look how magnificent this God is. Look at how great this God is. But I want to confront a tension here, okay? So maybe you'll ask me at this point, so you're saying God primarily cares about his glory. Like that is his primary concern in all the earth is his glory. Seems a little selfish. Is that what you're saying, Rich? Let me give a resounding yes. That is exactly what I'm saying. But Rich, what about God's love for me? What about God's care for me? What about, you know what, God is, this isn't what I've heard in Sunday school and growing up where I get all these songs, ooey gooey feelings, and God loves me, and yeah, 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 you know, where he looks like this, this glorified Tinkerbell? My friends, God's glory and your satisfaction, God's glory and your delight are not at odds. They are not at odds with each other. I grew up thinking that, that God was this, this cosmic killjoy, this fun sucker who didn't want me to have sex before I was married. He didn't want me to go out and to get drunk. He didn't want me to go do drugs. And he wanted me to show up to church. And he wanted me to fake it through life and kind of act like I loved him. Maybe go on a couple mission trips and then I'd get into heaven where things would actually be good. I thought that following God was going to actually be taking away from, from who God really, wa- or, or who I really wanted me to be. My thought was that God's life for me, glorifying God in my life, was an unenjoyable one. And I'll tell you what, when I ran away from, from the calling that God had for me, when I ran away from the, the lifestyle that God had for me, I wasn't seeking God's glory. And whenever we're not seeking God's glory, we are always seeking our own. And when we seek our own glory, we waste our lives and we lack our true purpose. When we seek our own glory, we waste our lives and we lack our true purpose. 
If we're seeking happiness and and significance without reference to Christ, life is going to not have any purpose. And and we we run after things without reference to Christ, right? Let's be honest. I mean, I find myself doing it. So many of us find ourselves doing it. If you're not a believer here, that's literally what your life is. Running after things with no reference to Jesus. Maybe you're like, man, if I was a millionaire, I'd have all the money I wanted. I'd get that car I wanted. I'd go on a four-month vacation every winter so I don't need to deal with waking up and looking at my phone. It's two degrees outside. Okay, thanks, New Jersey. Get over it, all right? It's ridiculous. We're not living in Alaska, right? This is like, if I'm a millionaire, if I have all the money I wanted, man, it would solve all my problems. Maybe you think having all the sexual pleasures that you desire will just finally give me the affirmation, the, the urge that I, I, it'll be filled. Maybe you just want to be famous. Maybe it's just Instagram famous, right? You want some notoriety. You want people to notice you. You want to have a little bit more influence, all this kind of stuff. Listen, I want to tell you these three examples, money, sex, and acceptance, they are not bad things. But without reference to Christ, they have no true purpose, and we lose. And we lose. I mean, look at, I've used this example before, but, but my man Tom Brady, I'm pulling for the Patriots next week, okay? Let me explain. Stop. Easy. You all hate greatness. It's terrible. Look, you're proving my point. I'm a New York Giants fan. And I want to say to my grandkids... Yeah, Patriots, probably best team in history of, of the league. Giants beat them twice in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. But Tom Brady, listen to this, all right? This guy is cute, right? Like, he, he, uh, he models Uggs, right? And, and he's got this supermodel wife. He's got all the money in the world. And, and I'll tell you what, if you saw a 60 Minutes interview with him, he asked the question, there's got to be something more. It's got to be something more. You could have it all without reference to Christ, money, sex, acceptance, any other good gift that God gives us without reference to Christ, it is depleted. It is depleted of its fullness. It's depleted of its beauty and grandeur. Without Christ, we can't taste the true beauty of his gracious gifts to us. God's purpose to be glorified and our hunger to be satisfied. My friends, they are not at odds. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to have purpose in this life. And it's explained best by a guy named John Piper. John Piper was actually is well known for this line. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most Lift it up when we are most satisfied in him. That means God gets the glory and we get the joy. That's what he, God wants these two things to come together. By glorifying God, he gets the glory and we get the joy because we are getting back to Eden. We're getting back to our original created purpose. It's to to see this glory and to, to experience this glory and to spread this glory. Piper explains a little bit more here. He says, God created you, excuse me, God didn't create you as an end in yourself. He's the end, you're the means. Some of you are like, oh, 
that means anything. God's about his glory. God's about his glory. He's the end, you're the means. And the reason that's such good news is because the best way to show that God's infinitely, that, that God is infinitely valuable is to be supremely happy in him. Get these next few lines, they're so good. If God's people are bored with God, they are really bad images. God is not unhappy about himself. He is infinitely excited about his glory. And guess what? What God is infinitely excited about, we get to carry that with us and spread it to the world. Like if we, if we don't get a little bit excited about that, then we're missing it. And we're bad images of him. My friends, when we live all of our lives in reference to Christ, he's glorified. And with that, we are satisfied. We experience delight. We experience joy. It's how we were created. We're not throwing away who we were meant to be by following God. We're not throwing away true joy and satisfaction by following God. No, in glorifying God, we find those things. Let's look at examples of this in the word of God, right? We'll look at Paul. He lived his life for God's glory. Paul was an OG glory spreader, right? Like legitimately, he was. That was a little lame. I get it. All right, I said that last night too. I saw some people roll their eyes and I, I said, oh man, this is a little lame. And my wife in the back was like, you're doing good, honey. Good job. But that's what he was. Philippians 1.20, Paul's writing this to the church of Philippi. He says, it is my eager expectation and hope. Do you get that? He is expectant and hopeful. It is my eager expectation and hope Towards the end of the verse, it says that Christ will be magnified in my body by life or by death. This is the same Paul that says, well, you know what? To live is Christ, to die is gain. No matter what the heck happens in my life, I, it's all for Christ. It's all for his glory, and I am joyful. You throw me in jail, I'm going to sing hymns, right? You beat me up and throw me out of the city, I'm going to get up in joy and head back into that city. With Paul, listen, God's glory was his delight. God's glory was his satisfaction. God's glory was his joy. God's glory was his purpose. It made him continue on. That's why people pack their bags and and leave the country and go serve God in other places where we think, well, life must stink over there because you know what? You can't just go to Chipotle. But they are experiencing more joy than the convenience that we experience here. My friends, Paul gets this example directly from the Godhead. We see the same purpose within the triunity of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're just spreading glory to each other. It's wild. They're deferring glory. You know, yo, you're more glorious. No, you're more glorious. It's glory, 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 glory all over the place. Within the Godhead, they all share, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same purpose. We see this in Christ, high priestly prayer, John 17. The first five verses, there are a couple pieces of what he says. Father, he's praying, Jesus, Father, glorify your Son. That's him, right? Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now... Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed, before the foundations. When we talked about let us make man in our image, we had this glory. Oh, Lord, oh, Father, would you glorify me? Jesus prays that he will be glorified because he knows when the Father glorifies the Son, the glory of the Son magnifies the Father. This happens. The triunity of God. If this is mind-bending, bear with me, all right? 
Bear with me. You see that Jesus himself, he glorifies God the Father. John 12, 27 and 28. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven says, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then we see in John 14 how the Spirit, Jesus is talking about the Spirit, how the Spirit, the Helper, is going to come. And guess what? When that Spirit Helper comes, he's going to remind you of my glory here on earth. He's going to remind you of what I said, what I did, what I taught. That spirit will remind you it is a glory-spreading mess within the Godhead. And Paul is taking that example. And Jesus wants us to take that example too. In fact, when he teaches the, the Lord's Prayer, but maybe better named the Believer's Prayer, right? In Matthew 6, 9, he says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. I grew up in the church. I said that prayer so many times, and I'm, I didn't know what hallowed meant for a long time. I'm like, like, hollow? Like the core is removed? I don't really quite get, ha, no, hallowed be your name. Jesus is saying that right in the beginning of how we should pray, it should be that God is glorified. It's, Lord, help me to reveal your glory through all of my life. Help me to, to treasure your infinite worth. Help me to make your name glorious. Christ, you be the center. You be hallowed. Not me. You be the center. I'll give you, you know, I, I, this, there was this guy in, in college, Daniel DeLeon, great guy doing great work in Lancaster with, with recovering addicts. And uh, he was in one of my classes and, and um, I went to Lancaster Bible College. I went to a Bible college, so at the beginning of every class we prayed, right? Cliche, right? Bible college. But, but we prayed at the beginning of every class, and, and Daniel prayed one day. World Religions class was one of my favorite classes in, in college. And, and he closed their eyes, everybody closed their eyes and praying. And he said, Father, let your name be hallowed in all of our lives. I just kind of, you know, you rip that, that word, that old word, and you put it kind of in, in a new context. There was just this moment of, of understanding for me. Lord, let your name be hallowed in my life. That, that is the foundation of what Jesus is asking us to pray. Man, we get caught up in the Lord wants us to knock on the door and pray for everything, but he wants us to pray first that he is glorified in it all. He wants us to pray first. He wants us to live first, that that he is glorified in it all. Church, hear me. And if you're not a believer, hear me. I'm going to impress this upon you. I'm sorry if I offend you, but I see it to be the truth that our purpose and our joy is to be glory spreaders. So I want to take this map now that we're holding out. I want to zoom in. I want to take this map and I want to zoom in a little bit. I want to be practical for just a moment before we land this baby. The purpose in it all is that we're glory spreaders, right? We have purpose in it all. And every single little thing in the moment 
to moment in the day-to-day, in the mundane, in your job, in your family, in your church. You don't come to church and stop spreading glory. That's why we get together for the mutual encouragement and edification of the believers. You come here and you, you spread that glory to other believers so that they leave more pumped up about this, Jesus. You don't just come. We don't just come to receive. We come to, to give. It's a, it's a both and. All right? So in, your, in our churches, in our communities, listen, in all of these places, God wants to touch all of these spaces with his glory. Our purpose is to be Christ right where you're at. Be a glory spreader right where you're at. Believer, you hold this glory within you, this Holy Spirit. The reason you feel like you're hitting the ceiling is because this image of God wants to be let out. It wants to be spread to the nations. And we are the conduit that God has chosen for this to happen. Let me get a little bit practical. Each one of us here have a gift. We could talk about the gifts of the Spirit here, but we don't have time. Right? There's even different, different lines of thinking, theological thinking. Maybe some people think that they just have one gift, or, or some people think they have multiple. I'm not going there today. Okay? But I want to say that maybe you have the gift of prophecy, teaching, wisdom, knowledge, healing, miracles, mercy, administration, etc. If you know the gift God's given you, press on into that gift. Press on into that gift. If you're not sure, don't bend your mind to try to figure it out. You're going to waste your time trying to calculate what. Listen, let me ask you a question. What thrills you? What thrills you? What do you do when you're done? You're energized, even though you just poured it out. Maybe somewhere along those lines you could find your gifting. Maybe somewhere along those lines you could see where God really wants you to press into. Talk to a pastor here. Talk to a leader here. Start that conversation. Ask for affirmation from people who love you. Where do you see me thrive? And go spread glory in those arenas. Go spread it. But each one of us also, we have spheres of influence Maybe some of you are like, I don't have influence over anyone except for my dog. (laughs) Your dog doesn't need to be converted, so you can relax. (laughs) But everybody has a sphere of participation. You're part of something somewhere. Even if you're just getting that light and sweet coffee at 5 a.m. at Dunkin' every day, and that's all you do, you're participating in the lives of other people to some extent. And you also need to learn how to drink your coffee. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're a CEO in here, if you're a janitor in here, if you are a stay-at-home mama in here, if you are a Starbucks barista in here, if you, are, uh, if you have a neighbor in here, if you have somebody who you run into at Walmart or wherever you, Whole Foods, depending on where the heck you are and you're thinking and all that, all right, and, and wherever you are involved, my friends, spread his glory. Spread this glory. Be Christ in those places. This is our purpose. This is our purpose, to spread his glory in those places. I want to say that for those of you who are, are maybe in uh, corporate America, maybe you're, you're working at a utilities company, whatever it is, for those of you who work around unbelievers every day, I envy you. Because sometimes working in the church, you need to bust through the believers and then punch a couple out to get out of your way to, to get to unbelievers. You need to work hard to get around them, and you just need to clock in. 
My friend, if, if you're in your cubicle praying for God to send somebody to reach your people, he sent you. He has sent you to spread his glory in those places. And he wants to use you to, to spread his glory in those places. Hey, this isn't a church leadership thing. If one thing has carried from pre-Reformation, it's that, oh, well, clergy is meant to do this kind of stuff. No, my friends. No, my friends. It is all of us. We are the church collectively. I have a role up here sometimes to preach. Hunter has a role up here to lead. Marlene has a role here to pastor. All, we have roles here, but all of us are God's church. And God has called all of us to be at work in here. For those of you who don't know the, feel like you don't know the Bible well, you feel like you don't have theology nailed down, all right, me and you both, right? Like we don't have all theology nailed down. But God wants to use you right where you're at. Every type of person with different gifts, with different abilities, with, with different spheres of influence, God wants to use you right where you are at. This reminded me of a story of a guy named Win, uh, William Tyndall. Anybody know the name? Right? Yeah, he, uh, in the 1500s, he learned Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and he translated this Bible into English. He is the reason we get to come around. God, well, God's the reason, right? But he used Tyndale to, to translate this Bible into English, and, and we get to gather around and, and look and gaze at God together. He's the reason we have English Bibles. At the time, the Reformation was happening. I mean, it was illegal to translate this. It was illegal to, to translate it. It was heresy in the Catholic Church because the, the clergy were the only ones who could, who could interpret, who could, who could read this word, right? But Tyndale did it. He honored God. And he did it as a, as a poor man. But we hear so much about Tyndale, but we forget about somebody else that played an intricate role in this story. All right, listen to the story. It was a London businessman whose generosity bailed him, Tyndale, out of jail. He got thrown into jail for trying to translate. And so changed the course of the English-speaking world. When Humphrey Monmouth, right? If, okay, if you want to be a boss, name, name yourself Humphrey, right? Humphrey Monmouth. It, when Humphrey Monmouth met Tyndale and heard about his ambition, Monmouth took a risk to provide for him, protect him, and partner with him. For six months, he housed Tyndale and enabled him to work diligently on the translation. And when it was done, Monmouth leveraged his business connections with other merchants to use their ships to smuggle the contraband Bibles throughout England. Both men paid a high price for this endeavor. Monmouth ended up in prison. Tyndale ended up dead. But together, they lit a flame that still burns in our generation. Hear me, church. Wow, we're participating today. Check this, a lot of clapping, right? Rock, rock. All right, so, so here's the thing. Believer, you don't have to be Tyndale. You don't have to be Mammoth. But wherever you are, whoever you are, God wants to use you to be a glory spreader in those areas. God wants to use you for his glory. Church, what if we took our God-given purpose Discover, what if we discovered this purpose and we took this God-given purpose seriously? Some of us have 20, 30, 60 years left here. In 100 years, majority of us in this room, barring some really old people, will be gone. At that point, when we're all gone, 
His glory is all that will matter. At that point, when we're all said and done, God's glory is all that will matter. So I want you to imagine with me here. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, I mean, for me, it's just like uh, I get ready to, when, when Hunter lets me know a date he wants me to preach, and I get ready and I, I pray and I ask the Lord to work, ask the Lord to, to show me. And sometimes I expect too little. Sometimes I expect a mediocre response, not trusting that God, if he wanted to, could smack this place upside the head with his glory. And you know, and just in my thinking and my praying, I was challenged to imagine. Imagine central New Jersey. This is why I'm so excited about this meeting today. Because we're going to talk about mission and vision, where we're going as a church. Knowing that we have a faithful God, a strong God behind us. Imagine Central Jersey. Imagine even beyond that, up and down 287. Imagine up and down the parkway and the turnpike, all the way through New York City and all the boroughs, all the way way down into Philadelphia. Imagine if us here at Zarephath, God's church at Zarephath, God's glory spreaders at Zarephath. Imagine if us here at Zarephath were so aware of God's glory that thousands around us experience the joy that they don't even believe is real right now. Imagine if thousands experience this glory that they don't even know is a thing right now. They're out there searching for purpose. They don't know that this glorious God has, has sent his son to save us. Imagine if we took this God-given purpose so seriously so that, that so many in the whole, that, that not just this church was filling up, the churches down the street were filling up. Because guess what? You don't need to come to Zarephath to be a true believer. You go to Jacobswell in New Brunswick. You go to Grace in Bedminster, right? You follow Jesus. That's what we want. But imagine if, if, if this was the case, that his glory just smack New Jersey in the mouth and we begin to really taste. We, we can believe this. God can do this, right? I'm not just hyped for no reason, right? Like this is what our God can do. And then if this is our purpose, some of you are like, eh. If God gives us a purpose, it's possible through him. Don't doubt that. Don't doubt that. I'll tell you what. I see glory spreading in this place. I see people putting down bottles Asking for forgiveness and turning away from it. Not just, yeah, trusting God's power, but stepping into correct processes to to get away from from alcohol. Glory is being spread in and through those types of people. I saw a family get on a plane this morning at 6 a.m. to go down to Columbia to pick up their daughter. Not a biological daughter, right? They're going to get her and bring her home, and they're spreading glory in that girl. I see the Lord doing things here. And my friends, you can spread this glory as well. If I just sat here and I talked about all the stories of what God is doing, you're going to hear a little bit about that later at 11 o'clock. 
But church, let's take this seriously. Let me invite the band to come back out. Let's take this seriously, that God has given us a purpose to be glory spreaders here in New Jersey and throughout the world.